0: Andrew, are you okay? (laughs) Hey, I'm awfully glad it's 10 degrees cooler right now. You'd be really swimming. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, tonight we're going to talk about an introduction of sorts and then the theophanies or the Christophanies that appear in the book of Genesis. Tomorrow we're going to talk about those things, the appearances of Christ, throughout the Old Testament. Then on the 20th, his appearances pre-resurrection, the 21st, post-resurrection, and then finally the 22nd, the last night, his return. So we're going to talk a little bit about eschatology as well. So here's an interesting verse, and Mary and I were talking about the book of Zechariah before the class started, Zechariah 12 says, They will look on me, the one whom they have pierced. And the squiggles up there, those are the Hebrew words associated with the English words. And the order, different languages have the order of words differently, sentence by sentence. And the example I use is in Spanish, it's noun adjective, as opposed to the way we talk, it's adjective noun. And so that's the way those words would appear. And that big red arrow is pointing to two letters, the equivalent of alpha and the equivalent of omega in the Hebrew language. Now, they're equivalent. And uh, that word, aeth, has no English equivalent. The alpha and the omega. They will look upon him, the Alpha and the Omega, whom they have pierced. There's Genesis 1.1. And there's that same Alpha and Omega in the Hebrew characters. In the beginning God, the Alpha and the Omega, created the heavens and the earth. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aeth and the Tau, if you wanted to use Hebrew characters... But we're going to talk about Jesus tonight in Genesis, Old Testament, New Testament, pre-resurrection, post-resurrection, second coming. That's the outline for the week. Now, I'm supposed to go till 8 o'clock. In fact, I've got an alarm set. I don't know how, how well it's going to go. But somewhere in the middle, we're going to take a stretch break. Because I've always heard that the brain will only absorb what the body will endure. And whether you need a bio break or you just want to stretch your knees, we're going to take a couple, three minutes to do that. And we'll see how that all works out. First and last, Alpha and Omega. What's the first verse in the Bible? First verse in the Bible, in the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We already have it on the wall. In the beginning, Alpha and Omega, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the last verses? In the Bible, Revelation. Revelation is the last book. The last verses—anybody? Verse. Four verses, yeah. That—that's uh, almost okay. He who testifies to these things says, "Yes, I am coming soon." Most folks, if I said to them, "What's the last verse in the Bible?" they may say, "What's in there?" The yellow. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> King James says, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. The first and the last. He's in the first verse. He's in the last verse. You say, well, I don't see him in the first verse. In the beginning, God. We're going to hone in on that word created. So, what's another first verse in the Bible? It starts off with, In the beginning, Oh, here, she's at the front of the class, figuratively and literally. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was but God. He was in the beginning with God. He who? Jesus. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. He is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we're going to go a little bit deeper. All things were made through him. King James is by him. She's, she's my leader right here. <laughs> Mary, I need you on Sunday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> no. In the beginning God created. John says... All things were made through him, Jesus. So Jesus is the first and the last. He's in the first verse, he's in the last verse. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the A, and he's the TH of the Hebrew uh, alphabet. And there you see that same verse again. Now we're going to jump to Hebrews. We're studying Hebrews in our Sunday school, by the way. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son... Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through him also he created the world. Jesus is the doer. And we're gonna go a little bit deeper than that. Did you know that the North Pole, South Pole, that axis is 23 and a half degrees off dead center? You wanna know why? It's so we can have seasons. And God promised, Noah, we're going to have seasons until he comes back. And we're going to see a verse that explains that Jesus is keeping that thing on 23 and a half degrees. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Now, you see that word, Lord? I don't know if you can see the font But every one of those characters happens to be uppercase. Every one of those characters is capitalized. Because in the Old Testament, the way they would take the word Yahweh is they would translate it Lord. But as opposed opposed to Potiphar was Lord over Joseph. He wasn't Yahweh over Joseph. That would just be lowercase, L-O-R-D. But when they say the Lord was with Joseph, and we're going to get to Joseph after a little bit. That's capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. So the word of the Lord, and by the breath of his mouth, the first and the last, he created things through the breath of his mouth. And in Revelation chapter 9, when Jesus is coming back, the Bible says his vesture will be dipped in in blood, and out of his mouth would proceed a sword, which is the, the word of God. The Alpha and the Omega. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. 23 and a half degrees. The psalmist says that the Lord controls the boundaries of the sea. The borders of the sea. We talk about climate change. If there's going to be a rising of the ocean... It's going to be because God said so. It's not because man burned his carbons too much. We talk about the Paris, whatever it is, and be cleaned up by 2050. Well, these people say that in 10 years we're going to be underwater. So who cares about 2050? We said it 10 years ago. They said that 40 years ago. It's a, roll, it's a rolling 10-year forecast. We can't forecast tomorrow's weather, let alone 10 years out. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He created all things, and by him all things consist or hold together. What's holding you together, Mary? God. God. It's not your girdle. It's, <laughs> it's the good Lord that keeps us together. So Christophany versus Theophany. It's not we'd be getting here. It's the appearance of Christ or the appearance of God. Here are some examples. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. This is a post-resurrection appearance. Peter, bless his heart, said, I go a fishing. And he took six of his disciples along with him. What did Jesus tell him to do? He said, wait in Jerusalem. What did Peter do? I'm going up to Galilee to go fishing. So, did Jesus know that? Well, of course he did. They're out fishing. Jesus is on the shore. Jesus has biscuits and fish ready for them. I don't know why, but John's gospel said they showed up with 153 fish. I can't imagine counting them with Jesus on the shore ready to have breakfast. Whether he had a pot of coffee ready for them, I don't know. But Jesus revealed himself. That's a Christophany. Here's a theophany. And the Lord, notice all the uppercase, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That's a theophany. Now, at some point, we're going to come through, and I'll just give you my personal bent, and that is that theophany is really a Christophany. We're going to talk about the phrase, the angel of the Lord. And we're going to see it in a little bit. It's called an angelophany. I'll just save it until we get there. And that's what I was just talking about. Jehovah is translated Lord. An angelophany. Mary in Nazareth, J.U. and I, we were talking about Nazareth and Mary and Gabriel. She had Gabriel, an angel who was even given a name, appeared to her. So it wasn't Jesus, it was Gabriel. And Zechariah, he was in the the temple, and the angel appeared to him and said, You're going to have a baby, and named him John. Now Mary had a very different belief system than Zechariah did. Mary said, Be it done unto me according to thy word. And Zechariah said, You're kidding. And so the angel made him deaf and dumb until the time came. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, if somebody came to my house with wings on, I'd say, there's a good chance they're either Halloweeners or they're angels. But angels don't have to be wearing wings. In fact, when those angels came to Abraham, Moses didn't mention any wings. So those are angelophanies. We'll take the burning bush, and here's where I'm going to bring the angel of the Lord together with the Lord. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Now, if we stop there and I said, was that an angel, or was that the Lord? What you're supposed to do is say, let me read the rest of the chapter, and then I'll give you the answer. (laughs) Just like Willie asked me a question, day two or day three, and I haven't read it yet. But I said, let me read the rest of the chapter, and I'll give you an answer. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord... Saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush. So who's the angel of the Lord? The Lord. We're going to tighten it up a little bit as we go deeper. Now, there you say, I have to go up closer to read the numbers. Sixty seven times the phrase the angel of the Lord appears in Scripture. Never appears in the New Testament. The New Testament says an angel of the Lord. So that opens things up to a different kind of conversation. That gives me three more nights to study on that one. An angel of the Lord versus the angel of the Lord. Now, I'm a big fan of the the notion of first mention. When something is first mentioned in the Bible, that kind of definition flows through. So, here we see some of the Appearances. Hagar is the first mention. And we're going to cover all of these. We're going to come down to, um, to Joseph because tonight is just Genesis. But here's a, a snapshot of what happens in the Old Testament Hagar, Sarah, Isaac, Moses, Balaam, Jael, Gideon, and Samson. So that was the introduction. Now we're going to talk about Genesis. Theophanies in Genesis. There's the creation account. God created the heavens and the earth on the day of the Lord, the Lord. And that's what you see highlighted there, that word Lord and capitalized. It's Jehovah on every one of those things. And then the fall, chapter 3, you see the same situation, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Now, the first theophany will be with Adam and Eve. And when you read through that, you hear a conversation of God and Adam But then it wasn't until they fell, and we're going to see it shortly, that the Bible says they heard him walking. That's a theophany. And they heard the sound of Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Did God need to know where he was? Of course. God needed to know, and that's why he asked? No. He, didn't need to know. he wanted Adam to know that he wasn't where he's supposed to be. Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And the conversation goes on, and here's where it's gonna get tricky. I used this tricky example a couple weeks ago in Sunday school. I said, uh, what is an heir? Not A-I-R, but H-E-I-R. What is an H-E-I-R? It's like an heir, like David is an heir. David is an heir? Okay. The son of God. David is the son of God. But in in our day-to-day world, what is an heir, an H E I R. Someone who gets an inheritance, okay? When do you get the inheritance? When someone dies. The Bible says that Jesus is the heir who died. Jesus died. He's an heir because he died. So we're going to see the same situation here. This is the Lord speaking. But then you see that word, he... Shall bruise your head. It's the Lord speaking about himself. In our language, we would say when it says he, he's talking about somebody else. When Abraham had Isaac up there on Mount Moriah, Abraham had that knife and he was stopped and he was told God will provide himself A sacrifice. Another translation, God himself will provide a sacrifice. Both are accurate. And so I'm convinced it was Jesus Christ in the garden. I'm convinced it was Jesus that was walking and coming up to Adam. He knows Adam's over there behind the bushes somewhere. He says, Adam, where are you? How does God make His presence known? We'll ask it two ways. How did He make His presence known? And how does He make His presence known? Through the Holy Spirit. Okay, somebody else. How did God make His presence known? How does God make His presence known? Through 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 nature, through Jesus, somebody else. Through the Holy Spirit? Through people being saved? Through people being saved? Okay. So first of all, through his word. And Elijah, it was a still, small voice. Now I will tell you, I have never heard the audible voice of Jesus Christ. Yet he talks to me all the time. Praying is me talking to God. And the Bible is God talking to me. So first of all, through his word. Second of all, through his footsteps. Could you imagine Adam and Eve, they're standing over there with the fig leaves and they hear this crunch, crunch, crunch. Now well, God didn't have, Jesus didn't have to do crunch. But he could walk like a deer and walk right past you and you wouldn't know it. Why was he crunching? He makes His presence known through His full appearance. He makes His presence known, less said it, through nature. Through thunder, lightning, earthquakes, fire, cloud. Here's Romans 1. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the beginning that have been made So that man is without excuse. I've got a son-in-law, it's Uh, Ben, that crushed his ankle. Now, there are a lot of people, Bernie's one of them, that have new knees. They don't have a new ankle yet. God makes ankles. See that? God did that. It's the visible things that testify of the invisible from the creation of the world. So man is without excuse. Here's Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. King James's firmament. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their works to the end of the world. We're talking about Christophanies and theophanies and angelophanies. You look outside and God is making his appearance. You look at your garden. God created the weeds too. Thank you, Adam. (laughs) But you look at your garden. I go out one day, those tomatoes as green as they can be. And the next day, I better be picking them. I go out one day and they're blossoms, and the next day they're string beans six inches long. That's God. Through His Word. And if you're hearing something that's not in complete concert with the Word, it's not God talking. Can a lost person hear God? I get a yes, I get a yes, I heard a yes, okay. Genesis 4. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, the last verse is the clincher. Many are called, but few are chosen. Can a lost person hear God? Yes. If we went back, man is without excuse. If you went back even more to John chapter 1, John chapter 1 talks about light that comes into the world. And that light lightest every man that comes into the world. It's called a conscience. Every one of us has figured out inertly what is right and what is wrong. So man is without excuse. God has appeared to everybody since the creation of the world. Now we're going to jump from 6,000 B.C. to 2,000 B.C. Then the Lord said to Noah, Anytime you look at the study of Noah from chapter 6 to chapter 9, all you hear is God saying to Noah, The only time that there's close to a theophany is when the door gets shut. There wasn't a garage door opener. It wasn't hydraulics. The Lord shut the door. So we're going to go from 6,000 to 2,000. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. So Abram doesn't have a leg up on Noah yet because both of them heard God. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So the theophanies continue. God made a promise to Adam that he's going to send the seed of the woman to crush the head of the snake. God made a promise to Ab- to Noah that the seasons weren't going to change. That's why the 23 and a half degrees. God made a promise to Abraham. He was going to have as many children as the sands of the sea and that by him all nations will be blessed. After these things, the word of the God came to Abram in a vision. So how does the word of God come? And Abram came in a vision. For Daniel, there were visions. Daniel was a little bit different. He didn't dream about the the statue with the gold and the silver and and the toes of stone. That was Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He could interpret those dreams. Joseph didn't dream about the cows and the corn. That was Pharaoh's dream. But here Abraham had a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, Oh Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Sunday school this morning, we ended right on the verse that said, Be patient like Abraham. Abraham waited from age 75 to age 100 for Isaac to be born. Abraham was promised real estate that he never got. Amos, Abraham was, I've got 12 grandchildren. Abraham saw Isaac, Esau and Jacob and that was it. He missed Jacob's 12, that was a bummer. But Eliezer was the servant. And if Abraham didn't have a child, everything he had, he was a rich man, Everything he had would have gone to Eliezer. So he had a vision. We're talking about Theophanies. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Hagar and Ishmael, and this is where I want to come to, the first mention of the phrase, the angel of the Lord. So, the angel of the Lord's first mention, the angel of the Lord found her, found Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness and the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, see, we haven't figured out who that angel is yet, but we're going to get there. If you're reading ahead, you know the answer. I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly I have seen him. I have seen the God of seeing. The angel of the Lord, first mentioned, is God. If you believe if you subscribe to the notion of first mention, then the angel of the Lord is. Is God Every time you see that phrase. Now tomorrow we're going to talk about the angel of the Lord that appears to Joshua. And Joshua says, are you on my side or their side? And the angel of the Lord said, I'm on the Lord's side. My opinion, that was Jesus Christ. We talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They threw three men to the fire. The next morning, how many did Nebuchadnezzar see? He said, lo, the form of the fourth man... King James says, I'm sorry, NIV says, like a son of man. King James says, behold, I see, and the form of the fourth man is the the son of God, not the son of man. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. That's the first time you see that phrase, God Almighty, and in in, uh, Hebrew... That becomes El Shaddai. El meaning God and Shaddai meaning Almighty. Noun adjective, just like in Spanish. El Shaddai. So when we look at his promise, and I will make my covenant between me and you, only an Almighty could fulfill that covenant. Think about it. He was a hundred, he was 99 years old when, when Sarah conceived. That's amazing. Well, you can sit there and say, well, they were older then. The book of Hebrews says that Abraham was as good as dead. Abraham to Lot. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, him as Abraham. And the Lord appeared to him as he sat at the door of his tent at the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. Now, you know how this story goes. The three men show up, and Abraham says, Hey, Sarah, kill the fatted calf, and let's have dinner. And so they do that, and then they're, the men are talking, and she's in the kitchen. And the one guy says, Sarah's going to have a baby. And instead of Sarah saying, Are you kidding me? She's behind the tent, and she's chuckling. And this person says. You laughed. And she lies. No I didn't. Yes she did. You're going to name that baby Isaac. Which means laughter. And we're going to see. That that one of the three. Was the angel of the Lord. And so the angel of the Lord says to Abraham. We're going on over there to, Lot, uh, to Sodom. Because there's a problem over there. And then. Abraham goes to a reverse auction, and he comes all the way down to ten. And the angel of the Lord says, if there were ten righteous men, I would spare the city. If Abraham went down to one, he would have gotten that same answer. And the answer would be, if there were one man in the city, I would spare the city. But Abraham didn't go there. And we're going to see that the angel of the Lord spun off and it was just two angels that went and did the dirty work. Let's see what we've got going here, okay? The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And the Lord said to Abraham, Jesus said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the Lord went his way. And when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place, and the two angels, the Bible does not say of the Lord, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And you know how the passage goes. They come in, and they visit Lot, and they visit Mrs. Lot, and they visit his two daughters, and the two daughters are betrothed. But they're out with the guys, and the angels come in, and the guys say, "Send out those two guests so that we may know them." As King James, know them. And what did the angels do? They shut the door. They struck them blind. One of the symptoms of syphilis is blindness. It's a sexually transmitted disease. And what did Lot do? Now. Lot did one of two things. Well, he offered the daughters. He did one of two things. He either did something really egregious to his daughters, or he knew they were going to say no thank you. And I wonder about Lot, except in Peter's epistle he says, just, not like only Lot, but justified Lot, just Lot was vexed. He was brokenhearted over the city where he lived. Lot and the sisters and mom, they leave the Sodom, and the angels are leading them back. And in the Bible, the word city is always a picture of sin. Except the city is a refuge. The word city is always a picture of sin. And Lot says to the angels. Can we go to Zohar? It's just a little city. It's just a little city. God says, okay. And they go over there. And down come the fire and brimstone and enter the Dead Sea. Anybody ever visit the Dead Sea? If you have, They have signs all over the place. If you have an open wound, don't go in that water. Well, I had no open wound, so I went in the water. And I started walking. I never did get waist high before I started bobbing. That ocean, that sea, is filled with so much chemical, it is so dense, that you can't walk in it. The book of Ezekiel tells us, this is back to Zechariah and Ezekiel. In the book of Zechariah, the Bible says that when Jesus enters into that capital city, there'll be an earthquake that splits the ground up to the north and to the south, and out of the threshold of the temple will flow living waters. And the book of Ezekiel talks about the fishermen will hang their nets between Enlegeth and Gedi. Now, if they're hanging their nets, that means they're fishing. That dead sea is going to be given life again. But it started with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And Mrs. Lot turned her head, and what happened to Mrs. Lot? Turned into a pillar of salt. She was a different kind of salt of the earth. Not to look back. She was told not to look back. That's right. Abraham's breach of faith. Now you'd think Abraham had it made. He had a beautiful wife. He had servants. He had so many animals that he and his nephew couldn't even share the real estate. And he goes down into Egypt. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And what we're going to see here, you know, I already talked about the visible testifies to the invisible. And I talked about the light that lights every man that comes into the world. This is pre-Moses. And Abimelech will know right from wrong. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. There's another theophany. God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, were you killing innocent people? He knew it was wrong. How did he know it was wrong? His conscience. It was baked into humanity the notion of monogamy. One man, one woman, hands off. That pagan knew that. Were you killing innocent people? Now a person can look at that word Lord in uppercase and make a case for him being a saved man, but I'm not going to go there. Some people have. Lord, will you kill an innocent people? He did not himself say to me, she, did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. We as Christians can so easily lose a testimony. He lied, she lied. There are two people in the New Testament. He lied and she lied. Who were those two? I think they were put to death. Well, they didn't have to get put to death. The Lord just killed them. Who were they? Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Mm -hmm. It was collection time. And they put their chunk of gold down there. And it was their money. They didn't have to give it. Mm -hmm. They could have said... I sold it for a million, here's half. They could have sold, I sold it for a million, here's my tithe. They could have felt, I sold it for a million and it's my million. But they went in there and Peter said, "Hmm, 500,000, that's pretty cool, thank you. Is that what your farm brought? Yup. Dropped dead. And the men carried him out. You think for that lie they went to hell? That's what is called a sin unto death. A sin unto death. You find that in first John. Moses committed a sin unto death when he struck that rock instead of spoke to the rock, instead of speaking to the rock. Ananias and Sapphira committed the sin unto death. Peter said, You lied to the Holy Spirit. No, you can't do that. You know what? God is so merciful. There's a story told about these two boys sitting on the curb, and they're passing this puppy back and forth and back and forth. And the pastor comes up. He says, what are you guys doing with that puppy? He said, we're having a contest. Whoever tells the biggest lie can keep the puppy. And the pastor said, I never told a lie. And they said, here, you can have the puppy. Abraham and Sarah lied, and if they were Anna, and and Sapphira, they could have been struck dead, but God was merciful. God had made a promise. You say, well, those patriarchs, they were suffering, they were doing polygamy. They weren't blessed because of themselves, they were blessed despite themselves. In the integrity of my heart, and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God is so good. If he let me just run free, it's hard to say what kind of trouble I could get into. I used to say there's only one way to get rid of temptation. That was to give in. That was pre-salvation. That was B.C., before Christ. So Abraham, a breach of faith, Abimelech, a non-Israeli, gets a Christophany. And Sarah was pregnant at the time. If you go and you study that whole passageway, it was the Lord who appeared and said, this time next year. And then in that one year span, the famine came and they went down to Gerar, She was pregnant, and he says, she's my sister. Now, that's disgusting. God is merciful. A son promised, a son given, a son taken, and a son given again. Abraham had to wait from year 75 to year 99, and then that was when the conception occurred, but year 100. He had to wait 25 years for Isaac. Then comes Isaac and Rebekah. How long did they have to wait in their marriage for Esau and Jacob? Anybody know? And Rebekah have to wait. Abraham and Sarah was 25 years. Isaac and Rebekah was 25 years and so when you see about the patience of Abraham and the patience of Isaac that's a long time I will tell you our first child was highly planned and then all the others were to take them as they come planned but we weren't married three months and Jenny was visiting a gynecologist thinking something was wrong with her 25 years Abraham waited and Isaac waited 20 years so the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, so that was the, the, the promise given. The son was given. Here comes the son taken. And Isaac said to his father, my father, and he said, here I am, son. And he, Isaac, said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. The promise was given. The promise was taken. And when Abraham was ready to come down with the knife, the promise was given back. Then Abraham reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, I can't imagine... You study the history of Israel, and you'll find these people offering up their sons to Molech. Now, how'd they do that? Molech was a false god. It was a statue made out of bronze, and the back end of the statue was open, and out of its head was a chimney. So they built a fire back in there, and what would happen to the bronze if you got a fire going? gets hot. And Molech's statue was like this. And where they put that baby boy? Right in the hands of Molech. Just like putting a piece of bacon on a frying pan. That's how they offered up that baby. The history of Israel is an ugly, ugly history. In my systematic reading I've just finished the book of Deuteronomy. And the last couple of chapters talks about the blessings if they would just keep the covenant. And then chapter 28, that was 27, chapter 28 talks about starts off with the word but. But if you don't keep the covenant, every single thing that was mentioned as a blessing comes back as a curse. A curse of the womb, a curse of the land, a curse of the mildew in your house, a curse of your, glo- a curse of your vineyard, a curse just right on down the line. But God made a promise to Abraham, and we're going to break for a few minutes right after this last comment. God made a promise to Abraham, and he said, Your children will be as many of the sands of the sea, and by your seed the nation will be blessed. And it was a one-sided covenant. Regardless of what Abraham did, regardless of what the Hebrews did, God was going to keep his promise. Now, I said we're going to take a couple minutes stretch break. If you need a bio break, go for it. If you need to relax your knees, go for it. We're going to take five minutes. When that thing says 720, we're going to start again. OK, so before 1948, which was the year Israel became a nation, nobody could believe that Israel was going to have a piece of real estate. So the, the trend, the fad at the time was, all those promises for Israel must be meant for the church. Not so. There are promises to the Jewish nation. There are promises to you and me. Different kinds of promises. But there's a whole bunch of preachers that say the church is Israel. No. No. Uh-huh. Well okay. a that knows don't Well, I don't know anybody that knows everything. And the ones that think they do don't. I don't know. <laughs> no. That was the book of Acts, and the book of Acts was a transitional book where you're going from Judaism to Christianity. Worship on a Sabbath, worship on a Sunday. Don't eat pork. God said to Peter, nothing God made is unclean. And so when you study the book of Acts, and you look, now the Bible says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Well, that's a transitional book. You've got to be careful picking and choosing your doctrine out of that book. Mm -hmm. So while we're into Q&A, other questions or comments or answers or... That's how good I
1: found out the truth. Because I always wondered, you know, it didn't kind of make sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess the Holy Spirit would speak to me. -hmm.
0: Well... The book of Galatians says that the promise was not made to his seeds, but to his seed. And that's where Israel equals the church then, because people talk about the church being Israel. But that's not what that verse is talking about. He's saying that the promise went to Isaac and not to Ishmael. The promise was made to his seed and not to his seeds. And we talked about Hagar, and there's a verse right after we were covering Hagar where the Bible says, and if you take up your concordance in the NIV version, the first time the word donkey appears, it says, Ishmael will be a donkey of a nation. Now, when you think of Yasser Arafat, he's dead and gone. He looked to me just like a donkey. He had those black and white checkered things on his head, and he had his big old nose. He looked like a donkey. But the Bible says they will be, the brothers will be at war forever. There will be no peace in the Middle East till Jesus Christ comes back. And when he does, Israel is going to be promised their real estate. And it's not going to be that little sliver that they have right now. It's going to go from the Nile to the Euphrates. From the Mediterranean to the Red Sea. And that's the promise to Israel, it's their real estate. We're going to rule and reign with God, but we're going to be ruling in a Jewish in an Israeli nation. Very different, very different. That's the promise. That's the microphone cover from this morning. I I, I thought I had a lump on my breast. <laughs> Oh, the British Empire fell because they failed the Israeli people. There was a thing called the Balfour, B-A-L-F-O-U-R, Balfour Declaration. And during World War I, Lord Balfour said, When this war's over, we're going to give Israel a piece of real estate for themselves. And then they reneged. And from 1918 to 1945, it used to be the sun never sets on the Union Jack. Well, by the time World War II ended, the Union Jack wasn't flown too many places. It was still over Canada and it was over Australia, but they lost everything else because they turned their back on the Jew. God told Abraham, I'll bless those that bless thee, I'll curse those that curse thee. And when AOC and her crew talk about the Palestinians, I'll bless those that bless thee, and I'll curse those that curse thee. So we talked about Isaac, and Isaac got to marry Rebecca. See, there's a Rebecca and then her daughter in law was Rachel, and I have a Rebecca at home and I have a Rachel at home, so I have to pause every time I think about those names. In fact, I've created a convention. I call every one of them sis. And I call every boy cool dude. So I don't have to think about who they are. (laughs) My dad had that problem that problem. My name was John and my brother's name was Thomas, and every once in a while I'd say Jamas. Because he he couldn't get it out. And I, I wish I was just like my dad. Okay, Isaac's breach of faith in the face of God's promises. Do you think Abraham told Isaac about all of the things that Abraham experienced? I think he did. He had nothing else to talk about, right? They didn't have CNN. They didn't have Fox News. So when the Lord appeared to Isaac, another theophany, And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. So what does he do? Goes down into Egypt. These guys were blessed despite themselves. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. Abraham waited 25 years, Isaac had to wait 20 years. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. Give to your offspring. It's a promise to Israel. If the clock behaves itself, we're going to see where Jacob has his name changed to Israel. Now, who knows what the name Jacob means? Supplementer, supplanter, that's one of the trickster. Think about it. He tricked his dad by his mom cooking that meal and covering his arms with the goat skin. He tricked his father-in-law with the, the speckled sheep. And then he met the Lord. And that, that section starts with, he was alone with the Lord. Now, if we were alone with the Lord, all the noise would disappear, right? Some There's a child saying something. all that noise disappears. There's no clock, there's no electric bill. Alone with the Lord. and what did they do? They wrestled. you ever wrestled with the Lord? Not talking physical. Did you ever wrestle with the Lord? I had two wrestling matches that I can think of. Verna, you were part of the one. It's when my Leah got kicked by our horse. And the verse went in my brain, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I knew how the rest of the verse went, but I didn't let the rest of the verse recite in my head. I just shouted out in the middle of CHOP Hospital. I said, I want her now. And God gave her to me. She survived that brain surgery. She's fine. She's got six kids, and you saw two of them on my lap this morning. The other one was when my Rachel was raped. She signed up for a year of Habitat for Humanity, and she chose Baltimore. She had a choice between Baltimore and Dallas for a year. She said, Dad, Dad, which one should I pick? I said, I would pick Dallas, because if you need me, I could be there in an hour. If you pick Dallas, I've got to find a plane ride, and I might not get there for about a day. So she picked Baltimore. And she bought a junkie house. That's what you do when you're with Habitat for Humanity. You fix up houses for people. She bought a junkie house, and her plan was to fix it up and at the end of her tour give it to Habitat for Humanity for the next wave of volunteers to live in. Well, in one of the very first nights that she bought this house in a junky part of the city, all the doors were locked, no air conditioning. Somebody took a piece of wrought iron fence and turned it into a ladder, climbed to the second floor, tied her, raped her at knife point, and then stole my truck. I get a phone call at five o'clock in the morning. She wrestled with those ropes and finally beat on the next door neighbor's house. And they get a phone call. She was in the hospital down in, in Baltimore. So Jenny and I jumped in the car and went down there. And Jenny has this thing called mitral valve prolapse. And if she behaves herself, her heart behaves. Well, she got in that hospital and she saw Rachel with the wounds on her wrists and the wounds on her thighs. Jenny goes down. So now I have two of them in the emergency room. And I wrestled with God. And he didn't change my name. But I wrestled with God. And when we were done, I'm a blessed man. But here's Isaac. And he was told: stay here, I'll take good care of you. And there was a famine. And thinking, well, you know, we talk about out in the West, they have the dust bowls and everything. Well. Israel became a dust bowl, just like Naomi in the book of Ruth. They didn't go to Moab because it was a a tour. They went to Moab because there was a famine in the land. And they lived in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And they left there to go to Moab. The Lord said to Isaac, he he, he appeared to Isaac and he said, stay here. Jump all the way down to verse 6. So Isaac settled. Not where he was supposed to be, but in Gerar again, just like his dad. And when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She's my sister, just like his dad. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking the the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, and because she was attractive in appearance. They were blessed despite themselves. So now we're going to do a real fast forward. Here's Isaac. He marries Rebecca. They wait 20 years. They have a pair of sons, Esau and Jacob. And here was a problem with parental favoritism. Isaac loved Esau. He was the macho guy. And Rachel loved Jacob. He was the domesticated guy. And you see where the parents set them up because of that. Now, it had nothing to do with the verse in Romans that says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And I'm not shocked that Jesus loved me. I'm shocked that he made a way for me. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And Jacob's getting, uh, Isaac's getting up in age. His eyes are starting to fail him. And he tells Esau, go out and Get some game and cook it up savory. Get some chipotle on it. And the big brother goes out. But Rebecca heard this and he said, she said, Jacob, go kill the fatted lamb. And Jacob said, what if dad finds me up? She says, it's going to be on me. So he wraps his hands with the skins and he puts on his brother's clothes and he takes the dinner and he goes in there And Isaac blesses him. Just like when he was dying and Joseph brings his two sons and Jacob goes like this and blesses the two sons and Joseph says, no, no, it's like this. And Jacob says, no, no, I'm going to bless the second one. That's a picture of our nature. I have an old nature, the firstborn. Then I have a new nature, born again. And so... Isaac eats the meal, Jacob bails out, Esau comes in, Isaac says, are you kidding me? I'm stuffed. And big brother says, bless me too. And Isaac said, I bless Jacob and he'll be blessed and you're going to serve him. Well, that didn't make Esau very happy. So Esau leaves, I'm sorry, Jacob leaves. Because Rebecca said, Go back to my family, and we're going to take good care of you over there. Families stick together. And so he goes over there and he works for Laban seven years for Rachel, but Laban does the switcheroo and gives him Leah gives him Leah instead. Here comes the polygamy coming in, and somebody could say, Well, the Bible teaches polygamy. No, it does not. These people were blessed despite themselves. So here's Leah, here's Rachel, Leah gives birth to Reuben, Leah gives birth to Simeon, Leah gives birth to Levi, and right on down the line, and then they start putting their handmaids into the mix, and next thing you know, he's got ten sons until finally Rachel gives birth to Joseph. And during those 14 years, the Bible says that Laban changed his wages ten times. So you think the trick is on Jacob? The trick was on Laban because what Jacob did was he set the thing up so that all the spotted sheep would be his and all the snowy white ones and the pure black ones would be theirs. So he's getting richer and richer and all of a sudden, just like Abraham and Lot, there's a little bit of strife there and Jacob says, Come on, ladies, we're bailing out. So they leave. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because this is on its way. Let's skip right past this one. This is where I want it to get. So Jacob makes a plan to go back and visit with his brother. And the last thing he heard from his brother was, you're going to die. And that was at least 14 years prior. Hopefully the brother has cooled off a little bit. So what does Jacob do? He takes his maids first. And then Leah... And then Rachel, and he's sending this whole entourage to Esau, and everyone with a certain amount of gifts, donkeys and camels and all this sort of thing. And when they all went over Jordan, making their way to Esau, there was Jacob left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Who was that man? Wasn't Abraham Lincoln, even though he went 300 and 0 with wrestling. That was Jesus. That was a Christophany. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, could the Lord have beaten Jacob? Well, yeah. This is going to be sexist. How fast does a girl run? Fast enough to get caught. The Lord wrestled with Jacob. To... <laughs> Sorry, Willie. <laughs> testing, one, two, testing. <laughs> I could see him on the way home. Guess what John said, and Diane's going to start... <laughs> <laughs> the Lord could have whipped Jacob, but instead he just... a touch of the master's hand. And as fit as Jacob was, he limped until the day he died. He touched his socket, and he said to him, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. He went from trickster to God contendeth, or wrestled with God. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face. And yet my life has been delivered. Another Christophany. So the Lord was with Joseph. Jacob had the 12 sons. Jacob had the one daughter. Her name was Dinah. Dinah gets raped. Simeon and Levi did them in. Jacob says nothing. Reuben decides that he's a big boy and he has sex with one of the handmaids, and so that eliminated Reuben and Simeon and Levi, and that's how Judah became the tribe leader. Not to mention that when you go through that whole expository of how Benjamin was left over and then Judah said, I did this and this and this, Judah was the one, and that's the tribe of Judah that Jesus came from. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master, Potiphar, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. I'm going to jump forward a little bit. The Lord was with Joseph again and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And you know how that story went. Potiphar said, you can have control of everything in this household because everything you do turns to gold. He had the Midas touch. Potiphar had to go on a business trip and Mrs. Potiphar steps in the middle of the thing. That's why the Bible says, flee ye youthful lusts. And that's exactly what Joseph did literally. He jumped out of his coat and bailed out. And what did Mrs. Potiphar do? She said, this Hebrew that you brought into this land, that's anti-Semitic because she said this Hebrew, right? She could have said this slave or this guy, but this Hebrew. Anti-Semite sentiment started early, early on. And Joseph ended up in prison. Do you think Potiphar really believed his wife? What did they do with slaves when they disobeyed? They killed them, that's right. So he spared Joseph's life. He's thinking, Mrs. Bottifer, you, you've probably done this once or twice before. Or maybe he saw in the character of Joseph that this just couldn't be and that's the next point that I want to make. Who sees that the Lord was with Joseph. Both masters. Both of the masters, Potiphar and the jailkeeper. That highlight should have been down below under sight of the keeper. I don't know how that happened. At any rate, that's what we're going to do tomorrow is get into the Old Testament. But we'll finish talking about Joseph, and I'm going to go for seven more minutes talking about Joseph. Actually, I'll go for two more minutes and talk about Joseph. We'll pause for questions, and then we'll go on to something different. So Joseph goes down, and Joseph was taught two things. How to manage in plenty, and how to manage in need. Because the cupbearer and the baker show up, And he said to the cupper, your dream means in three days you're going to be restored. But don't forget me. That was a little bit of his humanity coming in. The Lord could have taken care of that. But it was the Lord's timing. The baker said he saw good news for the cup bakery. So here's my dream. Joseph said, that dream means in three days off with your head. And so it was. I can't imagine the cupbearer going from a dungeon in Egypt to being the cupbearer of Pharaoh and forgetting about Joseph for two years. But that's what he did. And Pharaoh had this dream. The seven good cows come out of the Nile, and then seven scrawny cows come out and eat the good cows. I didn't know cows were carnivores, but that's what the dream was. There were seven fields, seven stalks of corn or grain, And then seven scrawny stalks came out and ate the good ones. And Pharaoh had no clue what that was all about. Cupbearer says, I know somebody who can help. And he calls up Joseph. Now, Joseph was a humble man. He said, I can't interpret the dreams, but I know somebody who can. That would be capital L-O-R-D. And so he tells the dream. And Pharaoh says, I need a man with wisdom, and you're it. So then come Jacob and the other 11. For all those years, it was 17 years from the time that they sold him off to the caravan till the time they came to meet him. For 17 years, they kept the secret. Now talk about a family secret. They kept it from their dad that they sold his favorite son. They show up in front of Joseph. Now they're they're in line, ready to, to, to get their grain. And Joseph said, you guys are spies. And he put them in jail for three days before he let them out. Just like Jesus was in the grave. Three days. And he let them out. He said, yeah, you can take your grain to your dad, but I'm keeping Simeon. So he put Simeon in jail. Sent the others back. And they ran out of grain again. And Judah, not the oldest, Judah goes to dad and said, Dad, if we had gone when we should have gone, we'd be back with more food already. And look here, the bins are empty. And he goes through the negotiation and he says, well, what about Benjamin? He said, if you don't come back with Benjamin, it's, it's all over. So they take Benjamin, they go back down into Egypt, and there they are before Joseph. And Joseph couldn't take it anymore. He sent, because, you know, he understood Hebrew, obviously, but he was speaking Egyptian through a, a translator that whole time. And finally, he sends all the Egyptians out. The Bible says, And he drew his brothers clothes, and said to them, Lo, I am Joseph. Now, why did he have to draw his brothers clothes? What was the, let's face it, his head was probably shaved, he probably had tattooed eyebrows, he looked like a pristine pedigreed Egyptian. What's the one thing that would give away that he was a Hebrew? He was circumcised. Lo, I am Joseph. Can you imagine the shock? Seventeen years ago we sold this kid as a slave and now we're beholden to him. We can go beyond that. we got three minutes. Questions? Comments? Yes. You liked I like, the Lord liked Joseph too. I think he was a nice person. Do you think his bro- brothers were saved? <sighs> you know. They were still tricksters. No, the you know, like father, like son, mm-hmm. they were still tricksters. Yeah. After the dad died, they went back to Joseph and they said, you know, dad told us before I, I died that you're supposed to be nice to us. Well, they have to repent. That's all. They have to repent. Whether they did or not, the Bible doesn't say. Right. There are lots of scoundrels in that bloodline. Mm-hmm. Somebody was else. the uh, boy? There was a young son. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Like? Of Joseph? No, a, Joseph had younger Benjamin. Okay. Benjamin. Now, you think about Benjamin as this little kid that comes down to Egypt. You look at all the sons he had before he went down to Egypt. He was a grown man. Willie, you were going to say something? God. bless the patriarchs despite themselves. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't go into <laughs> No, he was a scout.